for me, it's this idea of like, okay, how can I get, how can I try to get back to that magic? You know, how can I have such a good race again? And I love the pursuit of it. Hello and welcome back to The Big Run and welcome to this midweek episode. As the Berlin Marathon draws closer, we caught up with Berlin local Nian Tipming Hyun. Hyun is an artist, designer, scholar and founder of the Joy Run Collective, a crew that is women and queer led and focused on joy and community. It's a fantastic conversation and I'm grateful to Hyun for taking the time to come onto the show. Let's get into the interview. Huyen, thank you so much for joining me on The Big Run. Really excited to have you here to get to know a little bit more about you, your work as a writer, an artist, a scholar, a designer. The list goes on. I'm really excited to have such a polymath joining us for the show. But before we launch in, I'd love for you to, to introduce yourself to the listeners. Tell us a little bit about yourself and then we'll, we'll, we'll explore and learn a bit more about you. Thank you so much for having me, Danny. So my name is Huyen. Full name and the Vietnamese pronunciation is Nguyen Thi Minh Huyen. I'm a freelance writer, scholar, designer, and the founder of Joy Run Collective. Uh, Joy Run Collective is. I really want to get really want to get <laughs> into that. I'm, I'm conscious though that I'm 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 calling you now, and it's what about just under two weeks before before the Berlin Marathon, and that's something that you're going to be participating in. So you're technically at the moment in your taper. How how have the past 16, 12, 10 weeks been for you i'm not sure what your marathon block has been but how has it been for you yeah it's been about 10 weeks and this marathon block has been really great i think coming from injuries over the past four or five years or being more prone to injuries because i have a a bone condition called osteopenia so i have to be a little bit more careful with my bones and my running i've been very fortunate and yeah, lucky to be able to like climb up the mileage again and to feel good in my body and good in my training. I mean, tapering started today, <laughs> so there's two more weeks. I mean, a little bit under two more weeks. Yeah, of just trying to stay low. Uh, were you ready for the taper when it began? Were you like, oh, okay, we made it? I was. I was definitely ready yesterday after running 35k. Yeah. <laughs> 35k in what because you say yesterday full transparency for the listeners we're recording this on the 11th of september yesterday was the 10th and in the uk we had the great north run half marathon which was in very very hot conditions what what kind of temperatures were we talking about in berlin it was also 30 degrees at like 9 or 10 a.m already and we started our run at 7 30 yeah i mean i'm I'm sweating just thinking about it yes yeah it's disgusting. It's disgusting. Well, obviously Berlin is is sort of rapidly approaching, and I'm curious to get your perspective on what like Berlin becomes during marathon. But I'd love to sort of rewind the tape a little bit and go back to your journey into running. I mean, when when did running first find you, and what was the reaction when you first met running for the first time? Was it was it a joyful one, or were you not quite mm. sure? Yeah. So I was never in a sports club or participated in any sports apart from yeah physical education classes in school I was never really great at it and then after high school I took a gap year and lived with a yeah family in New Jersey in the US left Germany and was an au pair and during that time this was 2010 2011 yeah more than 10 years ago during that time the host mom who was a doctor and who is still a doctor she would go running every day for 60 minutes and then 
one day she was like why don't you go you know outside and be active do some sports and then I was like no I just can't like I cannot imagine running for 60 minutes and then why would you and then she explained to me that this was the only time during the day that she could take for herself and be by herself um, and not catering to you know her kids her dogs or her patients and I think yeah we just this topic just came up over a span of like two or three weeks or four weeks and she continued on she was like you know if I can do it you can do it too and eventually I was like okay maybe maybe I just like put on some fitness or sports running shoes on and uh, head outside and then I tried for 10-15 minutes and then I was like why do people do this I don't understand it's not enjoyable like why do people keep going and then I think I walked home but for some reason I returned to it a week after and then um, eventually I started running like yeah an hour every day and then I was like okay I understand like I think I had a point during that time where I was like okay I get it now I I get why people are running. Maybe this is the runner's high people are talking about. Yeah, but I returned back to school for my undergrad studies in Germany. And then I stopped running again. And it wasn't until four years afterwards going to the US for a study abroad semester. This is in 2014, 2015, when I was in New York and heavily exposed to yeah sports, running, crew, urban running crew culture in New York City and then also um, exposed to the Nike Run Club and then yeah I think I saw an event by the Bridge Runners pop up on Facebook and I was like hmm, maybe I should maybe I should check this out yeah so it wasn't until 2015 where I was yeah acquainted to all of these different run clubs and then I was like wow there's so many people doing this and eventually I was like, okay, maybe I also sign up for the lottery for the New York City half and the New York City full. And that's when I was like, once I got into the lottery, I was like, okay, shit, this is, there's no way out. Now I have to do this. Now I have to train for a half marathon, not having done any, you know, like 5K or 10K races before. And um, this is how I started. Wow. Thank, thank you for that. It's lovely yes. to hear that. It's lovely to hear that journey that you, that you went on and props to... Uh, Props to your boss when you were an, an au pair for, for, for giving you that, that prompt and that push. But there's one thing you said that I thought was really interesting is that you couldn't imagine yourself running for 60 minutes back then when you were first being introduced to it. I found that really interesting as someone who is so wildly creative as a, as a writer and as an artist. I imagine imagination plays a, a very key sort of central tenant in the work that you do. Why were you not able to imagine yourself in that position back then? for running that period of yeah. time? Super interesting question. Thank you so much for asking. I think just like seeing myself in that position, seeing myself as an athlete, seeing myself as a sports or active people, I never saw myself. I never had this kind of re representation. So I couldn't even imagine, you know, what it would feel or look like to be running or to be this athletic, right? I grew up in a Vietnamese household. I have a younger brother and it was always my parents pushing him to do sports, to take uh, karate classes or to do soccer or anything. And it was me who, you know, the older daughter who um, had to stay at home or like to focus on education, focus on school and just take care and help with, you know, housework and so on and so forth. 
And then later on in high school, I mean, I saw some of the kids pursuing sports um, or being in sports clubs, but there were never people looking like me, especially like women of color, you know, who were part of these clubs. So I couldn't, I just couldn't, there was no, no translation of that. Mm. And then it wasn't like until my boss, my host mom, who was, um, I mean, with very much this American dream energy, you know, who was like, you know, you can do anything and you can be anything. And mm. she also, even back in the day, empowered me. Why can't you be a designer? You know, like you should try. And why can't you be a runner? You should definitely try. And I think that spirit really caught on me. I love that. Shout out to, to her and that, that yes. spirit. And I'm always such a, I love those stories of when individuals talk about that, that one person that believes in them and the possibilities of them. And I've heard many, many uh, people recount that and it's always just really joyful and we'll, we'll get into joy later with the Joy Run Collective of, of hearing that sort of olive branch of, of, of belief being extended to someone in saying that, why not? Absolutely, of course you can do that. You could run a marathon and you have gone on to run marathons. I'm curious though, just going back to your, your response then when you were saying about your parents putting their focus on your brother when it came to sports and stuff like that what do they make or what did they make of of your journey into running uh, uh, what have their reflections been on on you since you've kind of dived in headfirst into the sport i think at first they were they were super skeptical so i ran my first half marathon in 2015 new york city half march 2015 and then in the same year i was supposed to run the new york city marathon as well and then during that time, I was training with the Nike running app and following the plan. I got injured and I went home back to Germany, uh, saw a bunch of doctors. And then my parents were like, why are you running? Like, you're just like getting injured. This is not healthy for you. Why are you just skinny? You know, like, this is this this can't be good for you if, you know, if you're um, breaking your bones. And I think they had this perception I'm... Obviously, I was overtraining and, you know, this perception of like doing um, something too much too fast, you know, ramping up the mileage and not having the experience. And my parents had this, yeah, perspective. This is not good for you. you. Like a girl shouldn't be doing this, you know, like you're supposed to do something else or uh, spend your time with other hobbies or um, other endeavors. Mm -hmm. And then I think there was a turning point. I mean eventually you know spending more time with my parents at home I would still lace up my shoes and go running but there was one summer where I left my trainers at home and you know from time to time I would then be like sending them a picture here and there you know like from a race or like from uh, a run with my friends and I think they saw the happiness and the joy that I experienced and one time my mom sends me a selfie in the woods with my running shoes on and then I was like what are you doing and then she was like look I'm out trying to I'm out here trying to run like you are and then I was like wait so you just like put on my running shoes and went outside into nature and uh, went out for a run yourself this is this is very remarkable. And then I think um, this was a couple of years ago, there was like a small um, village, uh, you know, a pretzel fest race, like an 8k loop in the town. And I was like, why? Yeah, I should just like go just for jokes, do it with some friends. 
and um, both my parents are divorced. Both of them actually, yeah, came out to cheer me on at different locations of the race. And I think that was really beautiful. My dad was at the finish line and my mom was at a different point. And they were both out there with their phones and they were just like so proud and happy. And I was like, this is so awesome but also so weird because mm -hmm. I've never seen my parents being this excited about running about me running and uh, that felt very special I love that multiple cheer zones <laughs> yes <laughs> on a race yeah. I love that you know most people yeah. get one if they're lucky I mean that's yeah. that that's impressive but I love that thing of yeah. in, you inspiring joy in your mum as well and yeah. getting her to think about you know her own relationship with with movement as well i love that and just yeah i can feel the joy radiating off you sort of describing that experience and we'll, we'll get to joy run collective because i do really want to dig into that but just going to the sort of other side of, of you as a as a creative as a writer as an artist a, a, as a scholar how has your running fed into that practice do you keep the two streams separate do they complement each other and have you explored your relationship with movement in the work that you produce yeah another great question <laughs> so when I first started running I was in my undergrad and I was pursuing this uh, media studies um, degree and also have a master's in media studies and so I have approached yeah with my master's approached a very um, academic career as a scholar and then also as a writer and I think my career paths have also been interesting because in between my bachelor's and my master's, I was also working for this one brand called District Vision, if you've heard of them. Mm -hmm. And I was actually their employee number one. And so I also had, um, yeah, a venture into sports marketing. So I would say my time doing District Vision was very important and interesting because I was able to merge both of these interests you know my interest in let's say branding and creative um, as well as like running and movement mm. and um, and now later on in my life now that I return to a more you know let's say yeah return more into writing and designing I at this point in my life now after running for eight or nine years there's it's very difficult to extract the two of them mm. I feel like you know and I feel like it's uh yeah, both of them merge together. So interesting. And I'm curious that that thing of of, of branding and creators, because we talk to a lot of kind of creatives within the sort of running sphere on, on this show as someone who had you know studied it to a, to a master's level in terms of marketing, coming into a brand like District Vision as employee number one. Wow, I, di I didn't realize that. What had you seen within the kind of current marketing landscape at that moment that informed your input into sort of helping create the output that District Vision had then, because I think anyone who listens to the show who are, who are aware of them as, as a brand, they have a very dis distinct look and, and feel. And I'm curious for your perspective as, as a creative, what you had sort of seen to inspire you to either go against that or go in a different direction, maybe unpacking that thought process a bit if, if, you're, if you're willing and, and want to. <laughs> I think the great connection also... Uh... Uh, that Tom and Max, the founders of District Vision and I had, we also had this like very European, you know, we were kind of like our own European hub, let's say, because Tom is from England, Max is from Germany, I'm also from Germany. And um, then they had this 10 years and more of experience coming from the fashion industry. 
And since I had also a little bit of fashion industry experience in Berlin, here in Germany, before going to the States, and then I'm now <laughs> diving back into fashion. But I think that was, and that has been really remarkable for District Vision, you know, this um, background in fashion, but how do you make sports more cool, more aesthetically pleasing again? And how do you make it how do you open it up, you know, to not only like the hardcore nerdy runners that uh, we also love to be, but um, in, I think, the everyday life, you know, where fashion just transcends everything. You know, it's the first thing that you see, like, how is this person dressed? How is this person going going to this and that event? You know, it's um, the first thing that you communicate to to someone else, even without speaking. And um, I think that was really interesting for mm. them. Yeah, su super interesting. And, and you touched on it then in your response, but you've been making your own forays into fashion and, and garment creation and, and construction. And people can see some of that across your Instagram. Do you want to, you want to tell us a little bit about what, what prompted that and what the work is that you've been busy creating? Yeah, for sure. So it was always a dream of mine, a childhood dream of mine to venture into fashion to do something with fashion. It was very early on that I collected fashion magazines. I was always uh, interested in, you know, becoming my own editor-in-chief. So you have the journalism part in here as well. And it was in 12th grade that in my art major, we were able to do um, an extracurricular project. And then I chose to do something to create a dress out of newspaper inspired by Vivian Westwood. So, you know, early on, I had this understanding of, you know, we can't just like continue on with um, over um, overconsumption and we do have to do something with, you know, with this um, mass production of textiles. And so I created this dress out of newspaper with this idea of, yeah, how do we recycle or upcycle um, different materials? And that was my first real like art fashion project. And both my parents were very against it. They were like, we don't understand what you're doing. <laughs> you should, you know, in a very traditional conservative Asian household, they were like, you should become a teacher, a banker, you should become a lawyer. Um, yeah, do study medicine. I mean, this very... Um, um, traditional immigrant story uh, that I'm sure a lot of people um, heard of. So they didn't understand why was I staying up late, cutting paper and like gluing some stuff on this mannequin. So initially before studying media, I wanted to study art and design, but my parents, they were not too excited about it. So the compromise was media because they could imagine, you know, they could, they understood okay, she's doing something with journalism, TV, media, newspapers, um, but not art and not design. So now that I finished my master's two years ago, I was like, okay, well, I have done everything now that my parents can imagine, you know, like, yeah, I have two degrees in this field. You know, I don't know about you, but like sometimes I, I scroll through the internet and then I imagine, okay, in a different life, mm -hmm. you know, I think about... I would actually would love to be an architect. I would love to be, you know, a furniture designer. I would love to be this and that. And for some reason, I always end up a fashion design. And then 
during writing my master's thesis, I had a moment and I was like, okay, why don't you just try? Why don't you just apply for the schools here in Berlin, see if you get accepted. And if you don't get accepted, it's fine because you actually tried and it's been a childhood dream of yours. So why don't you just go for it? And now you're at an age where you, you know, pay your own bills, make your own money. So you don't need your approval from your parents. So that's what I did. And then I got accepted. <laughs> and then I was like, okay, I guess I'm going back to school for my second undergrad and um, sitting next to 19-year-olds. How was that experience? It, it's still very interesting. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but... Um, I very much enjoy it. I think it's a very it's a it's a privilege to be to have free education in Germany and um, to be able to study without debt. Yeah, that's well. We we were talking about <laughs> podcasts for for another time before we hit record, and uh, the UK yeah. the UK listeners will be uh, will chime with that last set statement uh, certainly. But yes, that's that's a whole other podcast. For another time. So you're, so am I right? You're, you're still go. You're still on that course now. You're still studying at the moment on on this undergraduate course. Yes, I just finished my third semester. Okay, okay. So is there is there potential once you've completed that course for the for the streams to to truly kind of cross like. Uh, you maybe even I'm, I'm literally imagining a future for you here I hope you don't mind but like your own kind of brand like your own line of 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 I don't know sports apparel maybe I wouldn't be opposed to it I would say but I'm curious to see what comes around okay all right yeah but. okay don't worry th th this <laughs> I'm not... staying open staying <laughs> yes. open that is a good yes. way to be yeah. and openness and accessibility and inclusiveness is very much in keeping with the Joy Run Collective, which we've touched on a couple of times, but I'd love to, to dive into it now. So in amongst all of your studying and, and undergraduate courses, where did the idea for, for Joy Run Collective come from? How was it started? And are members of the community along with yourself going to be towing the line in Berlin in two weeks' time? I think the seeds were already planted when I was in New York, when I still lived in New York and was working at District Vision. And, you know, I was also a member of Black Roses NYC back in the day. And what I experienced being in New York was that there were a lot of a lot of different clubs, but most of them led and uh, championed by male runners. And I also saw, you know, the participation rate and looked into the participation rate of women and, you know, just like, being a woman runner myself, I was just curious about how the industry looked like for women's sports. Once I decided to return back to Berlin, I really wanted to start my own club. I really wanted to start my own running team. And back then I met up with Daniel, Daniel Marin Medina, who I actually met through Nike in New York. So we both knew each other from the New York City days, but he had moved to Berlin a year ahead of me. And once I moved back to Berlin, I met up with him and was like, hey, how come you're not running with any other running teams? You seem like a solo runner. And he told me that, um, yeah, that uh, the, the existing teams in Berlin, that they didn't match too well. And then I approached him and was like, hey, why don't we just band together and start, you know, a women-led, queer-led running team? So Wave B 
became uh, became our passion project over the years from 2018 to uh, 2022. Yeah, so over the last year, I think I had a deeper focus on wanting to pushing wanting to push women's running and pushing more um, girls, uh, young women into the sport. And that's when we decided to close Wave and then um, Joy came to life. Fantastic. A uh, lot of love for Daniel. He's been on the show yes. as well. I've had the privilege of great of chatting with Daniel. And yes, we, we shared the, the the incredible work that you both did as, as that collective. And obviously, yes, Joy is has sort of uh, risen from that and 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 grown and and is and is building uh, as we speak. So you're running are members of the community also running Berlin as well. Yeah, so we have about seven people, seven to eight people running Copenhagen this weekend okay. on Sunday, and then we have about thirteen people running Berlin. Okay, that is a lot to manage. What what's your role yeah. within all of that? Are you are you coaching? Are you are you are you at the other end of a phone? Is it emotional sport as well? Like what what's there? It sounds like a lot. <laughs> uh, yes, it is. So I mean, I'm the founder, but I do have co-captains. So it's five of us, five women leading the team, and we're doing everything from all the admin work to also communicating with our sponsors and in terms of coaching we are being coached um, by Caitlin Phillips who's uh, an incredible marathon runner herself from New York and she's providing us with the training plans yeah and then in terms of like meeting on a weekly basis it's um, the captains or really any of the members who want to volunteer and host the sessions amazing amazing and obviously not 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 to do down Copenhagen equally an incredible race but Berlin holds a holds a special kind of significance within the sort of marathon world as a Berliner as as someone who's within that space within the city I mean what is Berlin like that weekend it feels like the the city sort of transforms is it a complete takeover when, when the Berlin Marathon comes to town um yes and no so yes because the running community comes together it is um such a massive celebration if you are a runner <laughs> so from that perspective you know you have a different uh, you have different events um going on similar to you know any of the other major cities london chicago boston new york i am very appreciative of the running community that comes together um, that weekend especially the cheer zone i think that's always very special yeah but i do have to say the germans are a bit hesitant they are not as wild or loud as people in New York because I feel like New York City is on a different level. Um, if you're running through New York, it's like a block party, each and every block. <laughs> Whereas Berlin, uh, it's there. It's just one very specific block. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like uh, the running boom has not caught up to Germany um, as big yet. Let's say that's interesting. That's really, really interesting, and I, I, I can definitely chime with that. I'm, I'm half German, and I think that the reservation, yes, the, I, I can definitely chime with that. Of like, uh, we'll, we'll enjoy a bit, but let, let's not get, let's not get too crazy here. Let's not get too carried yeah. away. Yeah, that's interesting. You say it hasn't caught up with with New York and maybe some of the other cities. Do you think then that's kind of encouragement to you with the kind of community you're building to help sort of fill that space a little bit and put out a slightly different kind of perspective with, with Joy Run Collective and and sort of open up that, that running world in, in Berlin a bit more? Yes, 100%. I feel like in Germany, 
you still have the traditional club culture, you still have the traditional sports association, very performance driven, I mean, where people compete and perform and want to get better, but there's not as, yeah, I mean, there's not as much the connection to, your, you know, let's say like Bridge the Gap or like all of these international run crews yet. And if there is, there's, um, there's, it's not divided by different running teams, you know? Mm. Yeah. That's super exciting. And within the, the the members of your group who are taking on the marathon, are there any people who are doing it for the first time? Yes, for sure. We do have, I think, four or five people. Actually, no, I think half of them are doing it for the first time. Half of the 13. Yeah. What has been your advice to the first time as someone who's who's done a, done a fair few marathons? My advice to them is run your own race. Just run your own race. Run your yeah. own race. Do you think that is the sort of one of the key values of Joy Run Collective is like find your own race, find your own kind of joy within it? Would you, would you sort of ascribe that to being one of the kind of tenets of the collective? Yes, I think the focus of our running team has very much been on joy and community. You know, um, I think there's space in our community to still chase for your PB or chase the marathon majors. But above anything else, the joy aspect and the community aspect stands. Love that. Absolutely love that. So if people are in Berlin and they're perhaps looking for a different kind of running group and they're looking maybe to, to, to join with you, where can they find you? When do you run? How do they get in touch? Ideally, they get in touch with us over Instagram. It's a joy run at Joy Run Collective, and we run Wednesday mornings and Sunday mornings. Wednesday mornings, Sunday mornings. I'll be sure to put that in the in the show notes. And and for you with your own running journey, sort of post Berlin, are there are there are there are there bigger challenges for you? Like, have you ever thought of going past the marathon distance or going down, doing track stuff, or maybe different other adventures that I couldn't even imagine? Are there other challenges that you're sort of considering? I think for now, I'm like, I'm still, I don't know why. (laughs) After 35K yesterday, I was like, why did I sign up for another marathon again? But I think it's, uh, I think each, each, every runner goes through that kind of like thinking and process. I don't know why I'm still very hooked on the marathon Mm. and I'm still very curious about it. And after having done six as well, and this will be number seven, there's still so much magic around it i don't know i still really like it and i still really enjoy the training block even Mm. though it's like a total like one of my runners yesterday she said to me um she couldn't get her housemate to bike support because he just got home half an hour before she got up for running (laughs) and i think in berlin you still have that uh very deep like party culture you know um so and so she was saying that she had to like completely change her lifestyle to be able to run this marathon and to be able to train for it there's still I mean I still enjoy enjoy training I'm very grateful to be able to be coached by such amazing people but also to be training with and alongside such great people I love that word you used magic in that response and I think yeah and and I do I think I probably subscribe to that as well as that I do I do love I do love the training side of it I love the challenge and I love the structure what about race day for you? Is there a certain kind of magic that you still enjoy? Is that part of the thing that maybe keeps the marathon sort of having its hooks in you, so to speak? Mm, yeah, so for sure, I think my very first marathon, I was I was really surprised because afterwards I was like, wow, I feel super, 
superhuman, like a superwoman. I couldn't, I was like, wow, my body just did that. I just ran, you know, I ran more than four hours, but even to cover the distance and to cover the bridges and the hills, I felt really incredible. You know, I was like, wow, my body just did that in one piece and I can still stand and walk the stairs. The following years, I had a couple marathons where I felt really great. And I think that magic I still hold dear. So I think it's always this, for me, it's this idea of like, okay, how can I get, how can I try to get back to that magic? You know, how can I have such a good race again? And I love the pursuit of it. Oh, I love the pursuit. Of, I love that sentiment, loving the pursuit and chasing that magic. And I think all runners can definitely uh, subscribe to that. And I imagine a lot of the things that we've discussed in this conversation, they'll chime with as well. Uh, I feel like that's a, a lovely point to end our conversation on here and thank you so much for joining me for being such a brilliant guest on the big run and all of the best for your marathon in berlin in 12 days time thank you so much yes <laughs> thank you so much A big thanks to Huon for coming on the show. You can find all of the relevant links in today's show notes. And if you are getting ready to run Berlin, I hope it's a joyful experience. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time on The Big Run.